This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly is brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance. everyone, welcome to another edition of Guardians Weekly, Jim Rosenhouse, along with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. And it's great to have you with us uh, this show and next week's show, our final shows from here in Northeast Ohio before we head on out to spring training and get ready for the new season as the exhibition slate begins two weeks from Saturday, the 25th of February. As uh, it is closing in, the Guardians and the Cincinnati Reds in their traditional Cactus League opener in the ballpark that they share during spring training. Goodyear Ballpark will have it for you with a first pitch time of 3.05 right here on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Coming up for you on this week's show, we will begin our look around the American League Central, our previews of the Guardians' divisional opponents. And this week, we are joined by Corey Provis, the broadcaster for the Minnesota Twins. It's always fun to have on. He'll bring us up to date on the team that led the division as late as early September a year ago, and then the Guardians went wild down the stretch. The Twins and White Sox faltered, and the Guardians won the division. But it looks like Minnesota is loading up to try and make another run at it this season. We'll hear from Corey in the second half of our show today. Coming up after the break, we'll visit with the new bullpen coach for the Guardians, Rigo Beltran who has been in the organization for quite some time, most recently the past four seasons as the AAA pitching coach at Columbus. This reminder, though, if you want to hear our show each week, you can do so on the Cleveland Guardians radio network. It usually drops uh, late in the afternoon on Saturday around 5 o'clock, maybe 6 o'clock, depending on when your local station picks it up. And if you'd like to hear it in podcast form at your convenience, You can go wherever you download your favorite podcasts and hear our show right there. So a couple of different ways to enjoy Guardians Weekly. We'll take a break, and then when we come back, we'll hear from Rigo Beltran, the new bullpen coach for the Guardians. That's next on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. With Progressive's Name Your Price tool, you can find options that fit your budget. Because giving you options is the right thing to do. Oh, yeah, like when I hold the door for someone. Sure, it may be weird if I don't time it right, and they're a little too far away, and oh, now they're running. And we're both asking ourselves, is it worth it to run instead of just, you know, letting them open their own door? 
But still, it's the right thing to do. So get options based on your needs with Progressive's Name Your Price tool. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and third-party insurers. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The left-hander into the wind, and today's first pitch against Jonathan India is in there. A strike, and the Cactus League campaign is underway here in Goodyear, Arizona. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. And there'll be a new coach out in the bullpen for the Guardians this season as former bullpen coach Brian Sweeney who did great work to mold that relief corps a year ago into a really reliable unit. He is on to Kansas City to become the Royals pitching coach under Matt Cataro, the new manager there. So best of luck to Brian. And in his stead, Rigo Beltran will gain the promotion from AAA Columbus, where he had been the pitching coach for the past four seasons. He's been with the ball club, the organization that is, with Cleveland for nine seasons, he began his pro coaching career with the Reds organization back in 07, spent seven seasons with Cincinnati in their minor league system prior to joining Cleveland back in 2014. He appeared in 78 major league games with the Cardinals, Mets, Rockies, and Expos over parts of five campaigns as a player, a 16-year pitching career, including his time in the minor league. So he really has seen just about everything and we had a chance to catch up with him uh, a short while back and here's how things went with Rigo Beltran the new Guardians bullpen coach yeah I was it was I was very excited when I heard the news it was Carl Willis that called me and and gave me the news and I was just ecstatic when he told me and he told me two days before uh before my son's graduation in Gainesville so what we did we just went up there and celebrated with the whole family his, his graduation and my promotion to the big leagues. Boy, a good day to be sure. And and, and you you join a, a coaching staff that uh, has been fortunate to, to oversee some really good pitching for a while now. And you saw a lot of it at AAA Columbus in recent seasons. And uh, is there a, a common theme that, that you feel has allowed this organization to continue to develop really good, uh, not only starting pitching, but some good bullpen arms too? Well, I, I think, you know, it all starts with the front office. Uh, they've done a good job between the front office and the scout department of identifying players that, that fit into the culture. So it all starts from there. And then once we get them, you know, you know, everybody talks about collaboration. But I think one of the things that we truly do a good job here with the Guardians is that we truly do embrace that. So when players come in, we get the medical, we get the strength and conditioning and the mental and obviously the pitching group. And we come up with a plan. We come up with a plan that's going to help us get the best version of these players. And this plan follows these guys, individual plans follow these guys as they move up the chain. And once they reach some of those goals, then we start making adjustments off of that. So I've been pretty proud to be part of this organization. I know I started coaching with the Reds. And once I came here, I could tell the difference as far as how the culture and the format that we work. 
And I think that's what's given us all the success that we've had with our pitching side. And I know the role of AAA pitching coach can be unique in that uh, it's almost like a in, in a lot of cases, a Mr. Fix-It type of situation where if a player has been in the major leagues, has to go back to AAA, uh, they ask you to, to, to be a part of that solution. And um, what are some of the things that, that maybe you can do for a pitcher when, when they've been to the big leagues but have to come back for a little bit to make some adjustments? Well, I think you know the hardest part with that or most challenging part is that nobody wants to be in the minor leagues. So when they come down, they're not very happy. So, you know, you give them their space uh, to allow them to regroup and get back on track. And when they come down, there's usually a pan in place. Um, Carl and, and all the pitching group that was up there, they do a good job of transmitting what adjustments he needs to make. Um, and they're usually they're based on either delivery or pitch design or plan of attack or maybe just improving their overall baseball IQ. So we focus on that. Uh, we make sure that we always partner up with the player and we want to make sure we're on the same page and we have buy-in into it. And you know, it requires patience, but uh, once we get going and there's a pen in place, I feel like it usually works out pretty well. And maybe a, a good concrete example, and and I know he, he wasn't there that long, um, but it, it wasn't that long ago, a couple of years back, that Tristan McKenzie needed some time at AAA after a real rough go with the big club. Uh, what were some of the keys for him to, to, to get to where he is now when he was in a place at that time where it was a real challenge for him? Well, I, I think the biggest part of that process was the relationship that I had with them. And I feel like I have a good relationship with a lot of these guys because I've had them as they moved up the Marley system. And with Christian at the time, I think I've had him at three different levels. So I was pretty close to him. I had a pretty good idea as far as what he was dealing with, with his delivery, what he was dealing with emotionally and the mental component. So it just took time for us to kind of work through it, problem solve not only through what he was feeling and seeing, but what the major league side was seeing and feeling how we partner up all three components so we can get the best version of them. It took time, but I feel like it really panned out because when we went up the big leagues, it really took off and he had an awesome year this year. You mentioned it took time. Can that be the toughest thing? Patience to, to allow some things to take hold that you're working on? Yeah. You know, it, it, it's the hardest for the player to get buying into it. Um, for me, you know, one of the things that I, that I realized because, you know, I was drafted in 91, I was a senior signee and it took me, you know, two surgeries and six years to get to the big league. So I know how hard this game is. And one of the things coming into coaching is that I want to make sure that I maintain that empathy, not to forget how hard it is. So trying to translate that to the player is always the challenging aspect of it. How, you know, you're going to have up and downs, you have good years and bad years but we got to be patient when things aren't going well to be able to work through the process. Rigo Beltran joining us. He's the new bullpen coach for the Guardians. will be part of that that pitching staff, the, the coaching staff for pitching that uh, really, as uh, Carl Willis always says, it's more than just what I do. Uh, Brian Sweeney was a big part of it and others too. Um, you're the overall pitching coach at AAA Columbus. What's the difference now being the bullpen coach at the major league level in terms of what you do and where you can make an impact? Well, I think the biggest difference is when I was in Columbus, you know, I was in charge of, at times I was in charge of 22 pitchers and three or four catchers. So my volume was pretty high. And two years ago, I had to deal with that all by myself. Fortunately, last year, I had a little bit of help. I had a second pitching coach with Cody Bacall. So that eased the workload a little bit. And we're able to give them a little bit more quality attention. 
Um, this year, I only have to focus on eight relievers, which is pretty exciting to me. Um, be able to give them more of that attention that they need. Focus on them more as an individuals as far as, you know, maybe delivery or pitch design or whatever things come up as the, as the year progresses. You mentioned your background and, and how that's allowed you to, to have some empathy for, for what guys go through at the, at the AAA level. Uh, 16 years in pro ball as a, as a player, a pitcher, uh, to stay around that long, obviously some tricks of the trade. And, and what can you pass along to some of these guys that allowed you to, to have that long a career, which is uncommon? Well, I think in that time, uh, there's a lot of mistakes that I made as a player and obviously as a coach. I mean, that's 32 years of experience in pro ball. Um, for me, I think what I bring to the table is my experience as far as maybe what I've worked with them in the past in the minor leagues or what I've worked with other people. But it would be more like maybe the technical component, you know, working on some of the delivery stuff. One of the things that we've done a good job in our minor league system is that every coach is really well equipped with understand the delivery, especially the individual delivery, uh, focus on the tactic, tactic, tactical side of it, uh, maybe work on the plan of attack. You know, they all have a plan in place where we can uh, base what their best profiles fit against the individual hitters. And then the other component would be the mental side. How do we slow the game down? How do we help them have less of those up and down emotional roller coasters that we have in the course of the season? So, you have all this at your disposal as a coach. Uh, 1991, you're 21, breaking into uh, to pro ball. And do you ever think back on how different it is now like, based on what you have now at your disposal in this organization, which has such a great reputation as a, a pitching development organization, compared to what, what you had at your fingertips to, to try and be a better pitcher when you were such a, a young pitcher? Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing the resources that we have now to what it was when I first broke in. It's like maybe like playing travel ball compared to playing pro ball. Uh, I guess that would be the easiest comparison. I mean, the amount of technology and the feedback that you get and it's immediate feedback, like right after the game, you can find out maybe pitch profiles, delivery, what you're doing wrong with your delivery, ball flight. I mean, there's tons and tons of information that you can dig in right away, if not the next day, that can help you get back into what area area you want to be in as far as to maximize your full potential. Uh, when I broke in, we didn't even have radar guns. And if we did, we didn't have it in our affiliates at least. So it came oh. up with the car. Wait a minute. No radar guns? <laughs> no radar gun. Uh, yeah. So it's kind of one of those where you just kind of had to figure out as you went along. Um, you know, you had one pitching coach. Now we have three at the big league level. Um I don't know. It's just everything has changed dramatically for the good, which is great. We've seen you at spring training um, the past couple of years helping out on the big league side for a good portion of it. And and also on occasion uh, during the regular season, uh, you stopped in here and, and were a part of the ball club for a little bit. How uh, beneficial do you think that'll be now as you transition into this role? Well, I think it's going to be huge. The fact that I've been, I think I've gone to big league camp for four or five years in a row. Um, I'm really familiar and comfortable with Carl. Got a chance to work with him a lot. Uh, Tito's been great. And just the entire staff. I was up there for 10 days because of the COVID outbreak that we had in our staff. So I was able to fill in and got a chance to work with everybody there. So, you know, I, they're, they're a great staff. Not only are they great as far as knowledge, but they're great people. Um, I feel like I'm coming into a great environment. 
Rigo, congratulations. I know it was a, a nice end of the calendar year in 2022 with the news that you'd be joining the big club. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you in spring training. Thank you, Jim, for having me. That is Rigo Beltran, the new Bar uh, Guardians bullpen coach for the 2023 season, but certainly not new to the organization. And uh, he has such a great familiarity with so many of the young pitchers who have come up through the minor league system and then finished off their development at AAA Columbus, where he has been the last four years. So that should be a, a really seamless transition. A couple of news and notes before we send to break a transaction earlier this week. A trade for the Guardians as Will Benson, the former number one draft pick who finally made his major league debut this season, he's been traded to the Cincinnati Reds for Cincinnati's second round draft pick in last summer's major league amateur draft, Justin Boyd, an outfielder out of Oregon State, where he led the Pac-12 in hitting in his final season there, hit 373 with 24 stolen bases. So another high average, high speed type player, good outfielder. And he was rated as the 16th overall prospect in the red system. So that's what Cleveland gets back in exchange for Will Benson, one of the truly nice people in the game of baseball. He will be missed on a personal front. And uh, hopefully it's a good situation for him with Cincinnati to try and, and earn a full-time spot at the major league level. And we'll see what happens as Boyd develops on his way through the minor league system for Cleveland. Also, three players were invited to major league camp signing minor league contracts with a major league invite, including another veteran catcher as the Guardians try and sort through their catching situation heading into the season. Zach Collins, who Guardians fans may be familiar with from his time with the White Sox. He's been signed. He's 28, a former 10th overall pick in the first round by the White Sox back in 2016 out of the University of Miami. Split last season between the Blue Jays and Pirates organizations. Has had a, a tough time sticking at the major league level, but obviously some pedigree there based on his draft status and where he played his college ball. Philip Deal, a left-handed pitcher, has also been signed. He spent last season between the Reds and Mets organizations. And a right-handed pitcher, Dustin Knight, has also been signed to a minor league contract. He's 32 and spent last season in the Tampa Bay Rays organization. So the uh, Guardians' current non-roster player total stands at 18 as uh, the roster continues to grow for spring training, especially at the start with those games uh, in the World Baseball Classic tapping into the roster. They'll need some players to, to help get through spring training and a great opportunity for those players to uh, show what they can do and try and make an impression on Terry Francona and the coaching staff. We'll take a break, and then we'll come back and preview the Minnesota Twins. Do they have what it takes to knock off the Guardians in the American League Central? We'll see. Those two teams were uh, neck and neck heading into September a year ago before Cleveland pulled away. What does Minnesota have in store for this year? We'll find out from their broadcaster, Corey Provis. That's next. Stay tuned, folks. This puppy isn't over. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. 
And we begin this week our previews of the Guardians' opponents in the American League Central Division, and we begin with the Minnesota Twins. Last season, as late as September 4th, the Guardians were looking up at the Twins in the standings. The Twins were in first place on September 4th, but Cleveland went on an incredible run in the month of September and uh, laid waste to the Twins and the White Sox and won the division. Minnesota had some injury issues down the stretch. A disappointing ending, but they have reloaded in the offseason. They re-signed their all-star shortstop, Carlos Correa, and also added some pitching. And we check in with Corey Provis, their longtime broadcaster now, to get the update on the Twins. Corey, welcome to the show. Always great to have you on. And, and why don't we start with with the winter weather update from Minneapolis, because here in Cleveland, it has not been a typical winter, a little bit warmer than normal, but uh, it sounds like you're still uh, getting a, a good dose of winter up in the Twin Cities. Rosie, uh, much like the Masters, a tradition, unlike any other, joining you for our February chat on your off-season hot stove show is is always an honor, so thank you for the uh, for the annual invite, and um, uh, be sure to say hi to that guy that you work with uh, next time you talk to him. But yes, we've had we've had a nice winter. It's been snowy. We've had more snow than what we average. I think they they say that the average annual snowfall is around 52, 53 inches, and we've exceeded that uh, by a bit so far. We still have a good chunk of winter left, and I, I think it's been a good winter. You know, I I'm into outdoor stuff. I like skiing. I like sledding with my kids. It hasn't been, I don't think, you know, crazy cold. We've had a couple of stretches, but we haven't had that, that polar vortex thing too much, which can just completely swallow up uh, this part of the country and just hover for days, if not weeks, with Arctic temperatures. And we haven't had you know, that too much. So I think it's been a good winter. I mean, again, I, I don't mind the snowfall. Uh, so it's been, uh, it's been fun being outside with my, uh, with my family and my friends. And uh, for the, the favorite team of uh, fans in the Twin Cities, the Minnesota Twins, uh, an interesting offseason, to say the least. Uh, you know, you look back at last year, and and uh, they spent some time in first place, and, and in fact, till fairly late in the season. Uh, but then things faded down the stretch. One of the more interesting courtships of a free agent I think we've ever seen in, in that Carlos Correa, it looked like you lost him twice and then got him. Uh, what was going on there, and, and what were some of the emotions that folks with the ball club were feeling as he was going through that process and eventually landing back with the Twins? I mean, at his press conference after it, it got all worked out, a guy that you know and a guy that your great fans know, Derek Falvey, you know, he mentioned the word fate, and I snickered when I heard that because I don't know how much fate it was, but I think it took a lot of luck. I just think it took a lot of luck. And I just think it took, um, you know, the medicals uh, more or less falling through with the Giants and the Mets and, and with the ankle that Correa hurt in 2014 and the duration of those contracts that I don't think from what I've gathered, and I could be wrong here, Rosie, that it was the, the back half of those lengthy deals that medical staffs were concerned with, how will that ankle hold up? years 8 9 10 11 12 but in the in the immediate you know time frame I, I don't think there was much concern about that so when all those deals fell through i, I think carlos and, and his agent scott boris you know said hey let, let, let's let's bring the twins back into this thing and you know byron buxton stayed in constant contact with him 
as did Jorge Polanco, so some leaders on this team, guys that have been around forever. Uh, so I think there was that familiarity. Carlos enjoyed his time here. His wife enjoyed her time here. Uh, their, their son, Kylo, I think they had a good time, you know, being in Minneapolis, um, you know, enjoying the, this part of the country, you know, last season. And they played first place baseball for four and a half months. I, I called it a good year, the first five months, but then it became great because not many got to the finish line, you know, medically, but he did. He had a great September. And hitting coach David Popkins was, was speaking glowingly about the mechanics of his swing and how everything looked right in September and how a swing should look, how his swing should look. If you break down all the, the nuts and bolts about what makes his swing good, it was all working perfectly in that last month. Now it was all for not from a team standpoint because they fell apart. But still, I mean, you, you can't deny the fact that Carlos Correa is an elite, elite player. And you pair him with, with Byron Bucks and the Twins have a really good one-two punch. And you mentioned both of those players. Statistically, obviously, the, the talent is there, what they do on the field. But it seems like that to be able to keep Correa, someone who's won before, for where the Twins are, you need that good clubhouse mix, too. And it sounded like he fit right in and, and really became an asset there. And I also think it's – look at the economics of our game. And, and I just – I can't believe in this last CBA – that something was not worked out. I'm not saying there has to be a salary cap tomorrow, and I'm not going to cry about the fact that, you know, you know, the ownership, the, 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 these are very, very wealthy families that, that own baseball teams that, that, yes, I think they could afford more than they spend. But I think it's really good for the game that, that, a, that a medium market team was able to keep a talent, you know, like Correa. Now, again, it took – big market teams and their contracts to, to fall through, but still, you know, having, having your stars, you know, spread out around the country. Why is that bad for the game? I think that's good for the game. I think, you know, look at the, look at the Super Bowl coming up this weekend. You have what you have Kansas city, you have a, a smaller market, right? Cincinnati was playing Kansas city in the AFC championship game. Those are small to medium markets in, in, in certainly our baseball circles. Well, they're not meeting in the World Series. I mean, so the NFL has it figured out, you know, up to a point where that there is some economic, you know, there's some economic system that makes sense. And I, I thought there would have been at least a floor worked out in this last CBA. And the players were saying, well, you're going to have a floor, you're going to have a cap. Well, but there is a soft cap. Now, there are some teams that don't mind exceeding that luxury tax, and, and God bless them if they can. But I thought it would have been really good for the game to have at least a floor. So that every team, whether it was $100 million, at least every team has to spend that. And you're not looking at Oakland with, a what, a $40 million payroll. I mean, wh why would you buy a season ticket? Why, why would you buy a ticket, period, to go watch that team play if ownership isn't giving them their fans a chance to even be competitive? So I, I was a little surprised that there was not more worked out uh, economically in this last CBA. Corey, look, at with the Twins, it always comes back to pitching. Uh, they have struggled to develop their own. When you look at some of the names that could be in the rotation this year, it seems promising, but I know many are coming off of injury issues. Uh, how much concern is there? How much optimism is there that this year's starting rotation could be an asset for the Twins? I mean, the names are good. I think this is, in terms of just names, this is the best staff in terms of just names on paper that they've had in quite some time. Now that could mean, you know, squat. 
here in a couple of weeks because you, you bring up a very valid point. You know, Sonny Gray was off and on the, the IL last season. Kent DeMayette hasn't thrown in a couple of years. He's coming back from Tommy John. Tyler Malley, after they got him, he only had a couple of starts because he had a bad shoulder. I mean, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of unknown here. The names, though, are great. The Pablo Lopez acquisition, I think, was a good move. The Twins traded a very popular player, the American League batting champion, and I'm sure every AL Central pitcher, opposing pitching staff was thrilled that Luisa Rice is no longer on, on the Minnesota Twins because he's at one of the tougher outs in the game. But they traded a guy at his, at his highest peak possible. Limited defensive value, amazing bat skills, contact skills. You can't debate that. But if you break down where this guy was going to play, you know, what he produced in terms of OPS, in terms of slugging, it didn't match up with the position that he was going to play at. He's probably going to play first base, and you got to have a little bit more power out of that out of that spot. So to trade, you know, Luis Arise was tough, but they got back, you know, Pablo Lopez and is a guy that had an ERA below four last season, a guy that had, what, 100, almost 190 innings last season, which would have led the Twins. Um, you know, if he's right, and he had a shoulder injury a couple of years ago, but if he's right, Rosie, he's a two, maybe a three. And that's what they've had a hard time. You nailed it, developing. They just have, it's been an ongoing problem uh, with, with this current front office, even inheriting it from the previous front office, drafting and developing reliable, dominant starting pitching. It just has not come. That's why all these names. And Joe Ryan, I think, is, is in an interesting boat because they, they did acquire him, but still he, he was in the minor leagues a little bit, but he was a little bit later in his development. But there aren't many homegrown guys on this team. You know, outside of Bailey Ober and, and Louis Varlin, everybody else, everybody else has come. We're talking about in a trade or, or a free agent from, from Sonny Gray to Kent Maeda to Tyler Malley to Pablo Lopez. I mean, these are all guys that, uh, you know, they, they just did not draft and develop. So that's been, that's been their Achilles heel and something that they're still trying to figure out how to piece that part of the, uh, the equation together. All right, position player-wise, obviously the huge key is the health of Byron Buxton. And uh, we record this in, in February. Uh, what's the feeling going into the season? How's he doing? It sounds like, you know, he wasn't at Twins Fest because his, uh, his father was just ordained as a deacon, uh, that, which is pretty cool for his family. Um, so he was, uh, he was not in town for Twins Fest. But all the reports saying is that he's, he's good to go, that he had a knee procedure done late last year, uh, but he battled, you know, a knee injury, as you well know, Rosie, all season long. He'd play a couple, have to sit a day or two. They, they hope that that's in the past. The guy, what, played in, in 90-some-odd games, the most he'd had played in about five years. So that's good news. But still, we were all envious of, of what Cleveland did last season, how often that uh, those guys played. And Terry Francona, you know, deservedly to me, was the American League Manager of the Year, adding to his Hall of Fame credentials with another banner season, another really good season. And I just marvel at the fact that, that he plays his guys. And, and I hope that maybe Rocco shifts into that corner a little bit more this season. He's tried the rest thing the last couple of years, hoping to save guys late in the year. And it hasn't happened. Guys haven't finished. They, they haven't been there when you needed them down the stretch. So I'm hoping that this season he does push it a little bit more and, and, and play his guys. I mean, it, you know, look at what Cleveland does. They play their dudes pretty much every single day. And they stay on the field, 
And a guy that I, that I, that I worked with, a guy that you saw compete and maybe have gotten to know the last couple of years, Justin Morneau, he, he told me last season a good line. He said, you know, when, you, when you're training for a marathon, you just don't jog once or twice a week. You have to you keep jogging, you keep running, you keep working at it so that when it comes down to it, you can run that marathon. And the cliche has always been the baseball season is a marathon, not a sprint. Well, if that's the case, then these guys have to play. I, I think they just need to get on the field a bit more. You know, batting practice has been optional. You know, maybe Rocco tinkers with that a little bit. Maybe they need more on-field work to acclimate their bodies, not just, you know, T-work in the cage, but getting on the field, moving around to acclimate their muscles, their soft tissue, whatever, to get them ready to play, you know, 162, if not 162, 150 games, because look at what the division winner did last season. They stayed healthy, those guys played, and they played at a very, very high level. The ending last year notwithstanding, uh, a lot of good baseball by the Twins. Uh, you mentioned you had a Twins Fest. Uh, what's the buzz in the city? Are, are people excited for, for the team this year, or, or is it kind of flat just based on how it ended? I, I think it's. I think there's excitement. I think that the moves that this front office has made have been received quite well. I think that this is an offseason where, you know, you look at what they did and what's become common is that they don't act very quickly. When, you know, the World Series ends and then a few days later that, that window opens up, free agency begins, you know, the Twins don't do much. You know, they're not a team that signs guys, makes moves to the winter meetings. Even though they bring their, their banner and they bring all that stuff ready for a press conference, they could leave that stuff at home because that's not what they do. They, they, don't, they don't make those kind of moves uh, until later in the offseason, you know, Korea in December, but then other things happen in January. And this is a group that's also done things in February and March. Uh, many trades, many free agent signings have happened, uh, you know, at this point in the calendar. So I think people are excited, but I think there's also some concern because – the pitching is still unknown. I do say I do think they feel better though about the bullpen. I think that the bullpen. I look at it. I'm like, this is a pretty good group with Duran and Lopez and getting Jorge Alcala back, a guy that can throw hard that that barely pitched at all last season. Uh, Caleb Fieldbar was really good last season. I think they feel better about the bullpen. Um, you know, and I, 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 what's going to be curious to see is if Emilio Pagan, the first time he gets the ball against Cleveland. Uh, because I'm sure as a competitor, he wants that. As uh, From a fan standpoint, I'm sure that's the last thing that any Twins fan wants to see is Pagod face Cleveland with the damage that he did and they did against that guy uh, individually last season long. That'll be a separate storyline uh, when we see you guys for the first time. But I, I, but I think there's some optimism, certainly about the bullpen, about the lineup, but the big, the big unknown is about the pitching yet. That, again, the names are great, but will this group hold up? And will there be some minor league talent along the way to help out? Not many of their top prospects are pitchers. You know, some of their better guys that may come up this season again are position players, and that's why they may trade. I think they're going to be another fascinating team to watch around the trade deadline that they, they have some talented young position players that I think they'll probably have to move and look to move to obtain more pitching. Well, Corey, I, I... The games last year were awesome. There was some tremendous series between the two clubs. We'll look forward to the same this season. Best of luck down in Florida for a month and a half, and uh, good luck with your driveway. I know we, we got you off the hook on driveway maintenance. Uh, you have an ice, hey, uh, ice issue up great. there, but uh, hopefully uh, – no, no, it's good. Hey, great to visit with you, and, uh, hey, I was, I was sad to hear the passing of uh, John Adams. 
Um, and I know that I'm going to miss that. And, and it, we, he hasn't been around because of his health the last couple of years. But, man, for years, hearing that drum uh, out there in left field uh, at, at, at the Jake and not progressive field, that's going to be a, a noticeable loss and absence and um, a guy that loved his team and loved doing all he could to cheer on you know, his Cleveland team. And uh, so prayers to his family and friends and, and all of you that, that got to know him because uh, we'll certainly miss him. I have some nice words from Corey, and, and we hear that from several personnel, whether it's players, coaches, managers, or others from other teams, the impact that John Adams had on their experience when they would come to Cleveland and uh, play then the Indians and, and now the Guardians. So some nice words from Corey Provis, and we'll look forward to seeing him once the regular season begins as uh, the Guardians and the Twins will meet 14 times this year, the first of those meetings in Cleveland on May the 5th. Stay tuned. Some final thoughts after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. And now another no-brainer money-saving tip from Progressive. It looks like your luggage is over 50 pounds. Is there anything you can take out? Oh, yeah. Let me just toss all these $20 bills. Great. Let me grab you a trash can. Stop. Instead of throwing money away, move some clothes into a carry-on. And here's a better tip from Progressive on how not to waste money. Don't pay too much for car insurance. Drivers who switch and save could save hundreds. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Potential savings will vary. Welcome back. It's our final segment of Guardians Weekly. Thanks so much for tuning in as always. And again, we'll be here in the uh, Cleveland area at Progressive Field next weekend. But then after that, our shows will originate from Goodyear, Arizona and Guardians Spring Training. It's coming up quickly. And again, that first broadcast of the spring two weeks from today. If you're tuned to this on Saturday, February the 25th, the Guardians and the Cincinnati Reds at Goodyear Ballpark, and that will be a radio game for you with a 3.05 first pitch. Tom Hamilton will join us, and uh, we'll be good to go for Guardians baseball on the exhibition slate in 2023. If you want to still pick up some seats, whether it's season tickets, six packs available, including themed six packs, you can pick those up by going to cleguardians.com slash tickets. That'll do it for our show this week. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks as always to Brian Matze for helping to put together our show. We'll talk to you again next weekend from right here in downtown Cleveland. I'm Jim Rosenhouse reminding you that you've been listening to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance.